Welcome back to Just Got Radio on BJPen.com. I'm your host, Cole Sheldon, episode 27 ahead of UFC 258. We got a really good lineup for you. First up, we're joined by the future Macy Barber to preview her UFC 258 co-main event against Alexa Grosso. This is a really intriguing matchup, uh, a fight I'm really surprised that they booked Grosso and Barber, two of the up-and-coming prospects at flyweight. That division needs not a, a lot of new blood, so I'm kind of shocked they kind of are just kind of killing one off this early, but... This is a big fight, Macy Barber, coming off the loss to Roxanne Monteferi last January. They tore ACL. It's been over a year. Like She kind of is looking to make a statement in this fight where she's trying to remind everyone just how good she is and how she's going to be the future of the UFC. But this is a big fight, Macy Barber. She loses this two-fight losing streak. A lot of her hype's gone. Like th This is a big fight for Barber and a co-main event of a pay-per-view spot. They obviously still believe she's a big star, so really looking forward to this fight and a good chat with Macy to preview that fight. We're then joined by Ian Heinish to preview his fight against Kelvin Gaslam. This is a big spot for uh, Ian Heinish. This guy was supposed to go out there, fight Brendan Allen. Heinish is, uh, gets out of the fight. Then all of a sudden now he's fighting a top 10 guy and a former title challenger in Kelvin Gaslam. Ian knows this is a big spot for him. He had the big step up against Derek Brunson. He faltered. He said that loss is actually really important for him because now he knows what it takes to get to that top level. He expects his wrestling and striking to be a big difference and be able to just uh, out-muscle Kelvin Gassim in this fight. We're then joined by Jim Miller, who to preview his short notice fight against Bobby Green, got announced on about a week's notice. Jim Miller said he had a bit more notice than that, but he was begging Sean Shelby to uh, get a fight. And he actually thought he might have been one of those 60 uh, fighters cut because the UFC weren't getting back to him, but he ends up getting that short notice fight. And Jim Miller is going to pass Donald Cerrone for the most UFC appearances later on in May. Cerrone's going to pass him and they just keep going back and forth. But Jim Miller kind of holding out for 40 UFC fights. And something he really interested in doing is holding out till UFC 300, which is about two and a half years from now. He fought on UFC 100, 200. He thinks that'd be cool if his final retirement fight is on UFC 300. So definitely something cool if it happens. We're then joined by Jillian or Julian Marquez to preview his fight against Maki Patolo. This is opening up the main card. And this is fight of the night or performance that I written all over it. I don't expect this fight to last long. These are two uh, strikers who throw with a lot of heat, fight ending punches every single time they throw. Marquez returning after a, a bad injury. And he was supposed to fight in November. His opponent missed weight or had a failed weight cut and didn't get a go. So he's really looking forward to this fight against Maki Patolo. He thinks this is a fight where he wins this one in good fashion on a pay-per-view main card. He could make a statement, get a top 15 guy or get someone just outside the rankings. We're then joined by Jillian Robertson to preview her fight against Miranda Maverick. This is another friend I'm really surprised at a woman's flyweight. Both Robertson and Maverick, up and coming prospects. Robertson coming up lost to Leah Santos, making a quick turnaround. Miranda Maverick made a good in her UFC debut. Really intriguing matchup between two high level grapplers. Like if this fight hits the ground, it should be pure entertainment for grappling fans because th these two are some of the best it gets at women's flyweight. But we close out the show. Talking to Anthony Hernandez to preview his fight against Rodolfo Vieira. So talk about grapplers. Rodolfo Vieira, one of the best in the UFC. Anthony Hernandez knows he has his hands full, but he knows his wrestling, as long as he keeps fight standing, it is his fight to lose. He knows he's so much better on the feet. He wasn't too impressed with Vieira's striking in his debut. That fight was almost called because of Vieira's eye swelled up. He said if he can do that, like this fight's over. It basically stuff that takedown, and he's going to knock this guy out. But really good chat with Anthony to talk about his fight. But... Thank you all for listening again. Be sure to share the show, subscribe, and tune in next week for another episode. Of all right, we're joined by UFC flyweight Macy Barber, who's returning. Macy, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Obviously, coming up here in a week, like, what's it like to finally be able to get back in there? Um, I'm excited. Uh, it's been a long journey back. You know, it's been a lot of ups and downs with the recovery, and um, I switched camps. So it's just been a lot of back and forth, but 
I'm, I'm ready and I've never felt better. So I'm really excited. And Alexa Grosso, like I was surprised this was your opponent just because you guys are two of the up and comers. Are you surprised this is who you're fighting? Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised just because she's tough and we both are up and, up and comers. Um, but I'm not surprised, you know, I've never turned down a fight. So if they offer me someone, obviously the UFC has a plan. So you kind of got to stick with the plan and, and go with it. And I think it's a great fight because there's a lot of, uh, she has a lot of followers behind her. I have a lot of followers behind me. So it, it's a, it's a great fight and uh, I'm excited for it. Do you still have that counter on your phone for the youngest UFC champ? Uh, I actually don't. I have to re restart it because I got a different phone. I smashed my other phone and then I switched, <laughs> I switched actually from Android to Apple. So I'm just, uh, the- I- what is it, the end of this year or sometime next year? Uh, yeah, I'm 22 right now. So I turned 23 in May. And then from the time that I turn 23, I'll have eight more months. So it's definitely doable that, especially with Flyweight, you get a win over Grosso, fight a top 10 person, or even a top five, and you'd be fighting for the belt like either this time next year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, that was the plan. I even talked with uh, coaches about it. Sorry. Um, the plan is to fight Grosso, get the win. Um, and then fight. I just we we just watched Joanne Calderwood versus Jessica I, and that fight I felt as though I want I want the winner of the two of those girls because those are both girls that I can beat. Um, and they're ranked. I think they're like five and six. Yeah. Feel fight Alexa, get the win, fight them. One of them, obviously uh, Joanne Calderwood, fight her, get the win, and then go for a title shot. And this is going to be your first time fighting with like the, in the pandemic, no crowd, but obviously you have the contender series background. Like, do you think that's going to be a big help where you've already fought at the apex, you know what fighting in front of no one is like? Yeah, I'm, I feel like it's, it's going to be very similar to the contender series. You know, when we did fight in the contender series, you didn't have a walkout song. You didn't have a crowd. You didn't have hardly anybody there except for your corner and i just the only thing that's different is the family part you know like you don't in the contender series you got to bring your family with you like to have them as like the the spectators um and for this there's no spectators at all so i think that's the only difference um but i mean a lot of things in this career for me have been new new things you know like from fighting and uh my first time my debut and then my first fight on tv and then the contender series and then my ufc debut like everything has been different in a way so it this is a new different and it'll be uh and more stories yeah and first time on a pay-per-view main card as well or did it, you open the mcgregor one or you were the you were the final prelim i think i think i was the main the like the main yeah, on the espn going into the pay-per-view and from what I've seen on the card, uh, I think I was, I originally was the third fight from the main event. So it was uh, Burns and Usman, and then it was Weidman versus Uriah Hall, and then it was me and Alexa. Um, and from what I've heard, the Weidman fight fell through. Yep. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, I'm assuming we're bumped up. Uh, are you looking forward to being on the pay-per-view part of it finally? Because it seems like every progression, like you had the contender series, the free TV, then the then the main card. Now you're on the pay-per-view. Yeah, it's um, to me. I mean, it's it's just a fight. <laughs> like it's gonna, I'm gonna go out and perform no matter where on the card I am. Um, so doesn't really matter a lot, but I'm I'm super excited to be on a pay-per-view for sure.
And Alexa Grasso was like, I think it's very similar to you. She was fought a straw weight and then she decided to move up. Her last fight was her flyweight debut. Like, what do you make of her last fight? Because obviously Kim wasn't someone anywhere really near the rankings. Uh, yeah, I, th I feel like a lot of us females you're going to see move up just because as a female, it's different with your your whole body is different and weight cutting is not easy for us it's never been easy for any girl to cut weight it's not easy for guys to cut weight either but uh girls we have a lot of different things to, to put into play and to deal with you know extra water holding and all that fun stuff so um as far as her moving up i think you're gonna see that in a lot of us us girls uh and her last fight yeah it was it was a good fight um and same thing you know we're that's a debut so you're not gonna expect her to be fighting a uh, top five, top ten ranked opponent in the 125 division. That's her her debut in that division. So, yeah. And at strawweight, she kind of struggled with wrestlers. Like, is that a big part of your game plan? Is wrestling, or do you think this fight is just going to take place on the feet? Uh she's a striker, you know, and she's she doesn't have that wrestling background necessarily. So, um, and and at 115, if she was cutting that hard, her body's tired. So, yes, yeah, she's going to struggle against wrestlers. Tatiana Suarez um, on the ground, and, and that's what I plan to do as well. So um, depending on where the fight goes, we'll see. And you're someone that always gets the finish. Like, do you think this is another fight set up for you to get that stoppage win? <laughs> always is. It would be perfect. I, I don't always get the finish. <laughs> uh, I would like to say that. That's always the plan. Um, obviously, my last fight didn't go that way. But, yeah, the plan is to, to go out there and, and work for a finish. Because you're the you're the betting underdog in this fight. I think that's pretty surprising. Does that surprise you? Um, I don't I don't know if it surprises me. I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't expect to be the underdog, but at the same time, it's like that's lower expectations from people because you know my last fight, I it was not a good. It didn't look great from from a lot of people on the outside looking in. You know, I had a really bad injury and um whether people could see that or not or you know it's it's harder for them to view it as she was hurt and that's why she finished you know um underdog or not i'm still gonna go out there and finish do you have like a chip on your shoulder heading in this fight because i'm sure you've probably seen it where it seems like a lot of people want to see you lose it's same thing with like sean o'malley same thing with edmund shabazi and like these young up-and-comers that say they're gonna be the next champion it seems like all the fans want to knock them down a notch uh no i don't have a chip on my shoulder because even if they want to see me lose they still want to see me so yeah. that doesn't matter to me whether you want to watch it watch me win or watch me lose you're still watching so and the ufc apex is a smaller octagon do you think that's a big benefit to you just be able to close the distance quicker if the game plan is to get her down uh yeah i mean it could be a, it could be an advantage um we've been training every single training session since i started camp for the last 12 weeks has been in a cage that is the exact same size so uh that's that's been helpful um that's been a, a blessing in this camp but we'll see is the goal to be pretty active this year especially just having that one fight last year yes <laughs> that is the goal that's that's the plan i hate not being able to fight consistently and last year uh i learned a lot so i would never take it back and and say that I wish I had four fights in the last year because I learned so much about myself um, and just just training, recovering, uh, overcoming different obstacles. I feel like I learned a lot. So 
this time, yes, this year I would like to be very active uh, and get a lot of wins, get a lot of money. Like, what's the ideal? Like three, four fights then this year? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I'm ranked number 10. So once you get in the rankings, I feel like the UFC, it's, it, it'll probably be a little bit difficult because they'll have a certain way that they want it to go. Um, but yeah, three, four fights would be would be perfect, you know, fight this one fight uh, to get in the top five and then fight for the title. So that'd be three this year. What's your like thoughts on the flower division? Because obviously it is one of the weaker ones at the women, but it is getting a lot stronger. Like you have Jessica Andrade that moved up, who's probably fighting for the belt. You had you move up, you had Alexa Grasso move up. Like, like it is getting a lot deeper. It is. Like I said, you're going to see a lot of females move up from 115 to 125. You know, it wasn't just me, Alexa, um, and Andrade. It was also Cynthia Cavillo, and she's tough too. Um, it is. It's getting stronger, but at the same time, it's a lot of the older fighters as well. Uh, so the more the uh, that we get the younger fighters, the more you're going to see it, you know, become a, a stronger division. You know, you have to have the newer, the newer era of fighters come in. And I feel like it's getting there. Uh, just a few more things. Obviously, Valentina Shevchenko is the champion. Everyone considers her this like dominant champion. Like, does part of you hope she still become is the champion by the time you get up there? So it adds more if you beat her for the belt rather than a different girl. Uh yeah. I mean, obviously, I have no control over her career. It would be great to be able to fight her because she is. She's the most dominant, and um, I truly believe that she's someone I can beat. Uh, However, that's not that's not for me to choose. You know, Valentina has done a lot of great things in her career, and um, we don't know what her plans are, what her goals are, what her you know her career and her life looks like. Um, fighting is not fighting isn't forever. So if that if, if it comes to being her end, and and I'm not there yet, then that's just what happens. But I don't see her retiring in the next year. So I think we're okay. Do you think you're going to have to change the nickname pretty soon? It's the future. It could be the present pretty soon. Um, I didn't pick the, the future. So I think if someday it changes and other people choose something else, then it may change. It may not. You never know. Um, I feel like the future, it fits because it is. I'm up and coming. It's. Um, I feel like it has a lot of different things that it could mean. You know, there's always something something new something more something another opportunity uh and it's not just like a nickname to me it's kind of something that like i look forward to it's like you look forward to the future you know you look you look at your goals and your plans and so it kind of reminds me too is like there is a future and it's it's to remind me of like remember to to think about it is there a bit of pressure on you to win this one obviously every fight's important but just kind of remind everyone how good you are get back into the win column and get everything on track again uh there's no pressure because it's gonna happen so yeah and what's it like uh because i know you switched camps and you went out to chicago so what, how's that been it's been great you know that was a decision that i made i wanted to be around a lot more girls um for for training partners and smaller people um, and it just fit, you know, I, I talked to everybody that I was training with up here in Milwaukee. Um, and we just had a, I kind of told them I felt like that was the right thing for me and, and they were supportive of it. Uh, and so I have a great connection with everybody, but Mike Valley has been, um, who I'm working with right now for the, for the striking and then Izzy Martinez for wrestling. And it has been good. I've known Izzy for a long time and I just recently met Mike around, 
around the time that I had my surgery uh, for my leg. But I mean, it's been really good. You know, they work really well together, and it's it's been a strong camp. And all the all the guys and girls at uh, Valley Flow Striking, um, it's kind of become like a family. You know, it's and it's they kind of welcome me in. So it's it's been really cool. Is it going to be a bit weird hearing different voices in the corner? Because you had this same uh, corner for quite a while. Um, actually, or I guess you had Mark, and then you Dad Duke. I've bounced around a lot. I went from Colorado to uh, Milwaukee and now I'm here, but um, I've actually had Izzy in my corner twice now. So he's been in my corner for two fights. So you're never going to not hear Izzy's voice. He's got that very uh, distinct voice that everybody can pick out of the room. Um, And he's loud. (laughs) So that one, I, I know for sure I won't have a problem hearing. And then for Mike, I mean, He's been ever, like I said, ever since I started my camp and training with him, the whole thing has been, has been me in the, in the cage training and me listening to his voice and making sure that I'm in tune. And, and that's something that I don't necessarily need to hear them either. Like we have trained so hard and we have done every situation, every scenario, everything. And, and we have created the instincts and the, the right moves that when I go out there, it's not me needing to hear them. Because if I need to hear them, then I don't know what I'm doing. So I feel like we've put in the work and we put in the time that I shouldn't have to be listening to hear if I can, if I can hear them. Because what if I really can't? <laughs> then I'm in trouble. Yeah. So uh, my instincts will kick in and, and I know everything I need to do out there. Um, and we've prepared for every possible situation. And just last thing, obviously, your brother is signed to Bellator. When he fights, do you get more nervous for him or yourself fighting? <laughs> uh, well, he made his debut and he just got signed. Yeah. So he hasn't fought yet since he, this is crazy, but since he made his amateur deb- debut because COVID hit. Um, but yes, when I was in the corner, I remember for his debut, I was like screaming. But at the same time, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't saying the right I was not saying the wrong things, but I don't think I was saying anything helpful. Um, but yeah, I definitely get a, a get nervous. And then when he won, I was like screaming and crying. And I do, I get nervous uh, for him, but not in like a bad way. Like it's, it's just, it's, there's nothing like going in there and, and being with your family when they go to fight. It's just a different kind of energy. Um, but we've worked really hard to get where we are, you know, and, and, uh, I know that there's no way that I'm going to not let him prepare for yeah. his fight. So, um, because I can't go in there nervous. So he's going to put in the work and he'll be ready when uh, his debut comes. All right. Well, Macy, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate your time as well. Glad we could finally get this done. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're joined by UFC middle lady and Heinz, who's got a big fight coming up. Ian, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Obviously, fighting the eighth-ranked guy in the world in Calvin Gaslam, you were supposed to fight Brendan Allen twice. Like After that second fight fell out, did you ever think Gaslam would be your next opponent? Yeah, you know, I figured, you know, a big opportunity was going to arise. You know, just looking at the top 15 middleweights, you know, Kevin Holland making the big jump, Marvin Vittori. Uh, you know, the, the division's getting shook up and the young guys that are ready are getting these opportunities. And uh, so I just knew it was a matter of time. And, you know, I came off a big win off Mearshart and was going to take out his teammate. And, uh, 
and I figured that would be my time. And obviously that fight didn't work out. And now I got the opportunity, so I can't complain. And you look at Kelvin Gaslam, three-fight losing streak, but he lost to Israel Adesanya, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, or some of the top middleweights. So what do you kind of make of the skit he's on? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I believe that makes him a very dangerous fighter. I expect to fight the best Kevin Gaslam, and uh, it just makes him hungry. And, you know, his back's against the wall. When your back's against the wall, you fight, you fight for your life. So that's what I expect out of him. And, uh, you know, I believe uh, it's my time, though, now. And, unfortunately, uh, someone that I've followed his career very closely my whole um, – coming up in the game and uh unfortunately i might have to be the guy to take him out but um you know it is what it is it's business and uh so i expect a, a mean hungry kevin gaston you had a shot at that top 10 in Derek brunson at 241 obviously didn't go your way how big do you think that loss is going to be just that learning experience what it takes to get to that top 10 Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was my third fight in the UFC, and I'm fighting Derek Brunson, who's fought the who's who. And, um, you know, I mean, I learned a lot. That was a huge learning curve. And being on such a big card and just, uh, you know, almost knocking him out. And, and just, you know, I learned a lot, man. Just uh, so many things I could take away from that fight. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a new fighter. I'm way more comfortable in there now. And, uh, you know, I've overcame some lessons. And, and now I, I feel like I'm, you know, the Hurricane 3.0 and uh, a guy who's ready to fight and be a contender for that title real soon. Kelvin Gaslam is one of the smaller middleweights, like height size. So how do you think that's a play factor? Because you are a bit taller than him. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to fighting guys that are taller, but, you know, I've brought in, I've got a lot of training partners that are uh, a little bit shorter than me. So, you know, I mean, it, I believe it, you know, it's just a different style. You just got to adapt to it and uh, you can use it to your advantage. So I don't think that'll play too big of a uh, part in it. I feel like taller guys are a little bit harder to get into. And uh, so I, I don't feel like that challenge will be there. And you're wrestling in cardio. How big do you think that's going to be? Because no one really out cardios you. And we've seen Gassam have a bit of, or have some trouble against some wrestlers. Yeah, the cardio is going to be a huge factor to it. You know, I'm going to make it uh, a grinding pace. You know, I, I my whole goal is step in there and, and put on that pace that uh, he doesn't like. Because if I let him get his pace, it could be, uh, you know, a dangerous uh, fight for me. But I feel like I go in there, I put my pace on him, I make it really uncomfortable for him, and I can drag him in deep waters if, if need be. You have a ton of knock power, do you think that, but Gaslam is very durable. Like He took all the shots from Adesanya, took all the shots from Darren Till. Do you think this is a fight that you think probably is going to head to the distance? Uh, no, I think uh, I think I still got that right-hand power. I think it, it's, it's a power that um, is is uh, superior to those guys. Those other guys have great volume and stuff. I know Gaston's taking a lot of damage, but if I hit him on the right spot, uh, anyone can go out. And I also believe, believe my submission game is going to be a factor as well. People haven't really got to see that and have been working really hard on that. So I believe that'll be a factor. I believe there will be a finish with me and my hand raised. You've done a bit of training at uh, Genesis for this camp, right? Correct. Uh, is that a full-time move over there? Or are you still doing some workout factory X? Uh, no, I left Factory X um, about a year 
a year ago and went to Tiger Muay Thai. Then I was going to move to Thailand. Then COVID hit. Then I went to Extreme Couture. Uh, trained at Genesis before that and uh, with Team Elevation and uh, just found a good home, found good coaches, have great training partners. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm really liking the the program and thing we got going at Genesis and cross training with Peter Straub at Team Elevation. It's a good match right now. Right now, it's it's really working out and we'll see what the future has to hold. But right now, I'm uh, I'm very happy with the coaching and the training partners. So who is going to be in your corner then for this fight? Uh, Jacob Ramos is my head coach. He's from um, Genesis Fight Team. He's the head coach there. And then Peter Straub, uh, my jiu-jitsu coach and ground game coach from uh, uh, Team Elevation. And then actually I'm going to have my dad in my corner for the first time. So I'm excited for that too. Well, what's that going to be like having your dad in your corner? Oh, it's huge, man. You know, I feel... I just I feel honored that he, he gets to do this. I've been kind of putting it off for a little while and uh, no better time than the present. And I know he's super excited. He's been coming to all my practices, watching. And uh, I just it's going to be a very special thing to share that um, with my dad. And still out in elevation in Denver. How big do you think that is just helping to improve the cardio? Because everyone that comes out of elevation seems to doesn't even get tired, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you the more wind. It's harder to recover. That's a fact. But at the same time, when you get adapted to that to that high elevation, that, that low air, uh, your body just does uh, some things that, I mean, it's it's adapting. And then when you go down to sea level at Vegas, which Vegas isn't quite sea level, it's still like 1,000 or 2,000 feet above. But you feel like there's just more air. More air gets to your muscles and you can go harder for longer. And... Going out to Vegas, is that a big relief for you, not having to travel at all the way to Abu Dhabi? I mean, yeah. I mean, Fight Island's kind of my style as far as traveling and fighting on an island. That's cool to me. I would love to experience it, but it didn't work out this time. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to be able to have my friends and family close and being able to come out there. And so uh, it could have went either way for me. But, yeah, it's nice to have that convenience of just being a few states over. And the smaller octagon in the Vegas, do you think that's a big advantage for you just because it often it often helps the grapplers and you can be able to close that distance quicker? I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, that cage is for the dogs, you know, the guys who like to really, you know, I mean, they put each other, they're putting fighters on top of each other. That's why you see so many knockouts there. And uh, yeah, it helps with the grappling. It helps with uh, just, you know, being at range. It, it's not good for guys that want to dance and move around and, um and that's not my style so yeah it's it's an advantage and it's it's nothing really too extreme for me uh, i train in an octagon that size so i'm used to it and you're about a plus 180 underdog here does that surprise you that gaslam's the favorite no not at all i love being the underdog that's when i shine um you know he's he's fought like i said he's coming off losses but look at the losses uh that he's taken the guys that he the caliber he's fought he's fought everyone and uh he's a legend but when i go in there he's not going to be a legend to me anymore he's going to be an adversary and i'm going to take him out and, and mark my name in the middleweight division what do you think a win over Gassum does for you because this was a guy that two years ago was set to fight rob whitaker for the middleweight title fought israel adesanya just three fights ago for the interim belt like obviously the ufc had rates him pretty high so win would do would do pretty well for you yeah, absolutely. Especially winning in uh, spectacular fashion with a, a knockout or a submission. 
um, you know, it puts me right in the mix, you know, it puts me where I've worked so hard to be. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be an active fighter this year. Last year, you only got to see a minute 15 seconds of an improved Hurricane 2.0. And this year, I, I truly believe the Hurricane 3.0 is coming out. And I want I'm excited to showcase all the new skills. I've learned so much. I've grown. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to make waves in this middleweight division. Well, that's actually what I want to touch on was only one fight last year. You had two fights canceled. So how frustrating was that? Just because you obviously had that massive finish, then it, you couldn't really capitalize on all the momentum you had. Yeah. It, I mean, it, sometimes it's just, you know, God saying, sit down, uh, time to grow in certain areas. There's things that are just out of your control and that was out of my control. So I focused on what I could control and that's growing and getting better every day. And I've improved so much, and I'm ready to get a big win over Gaslam and ride that momentum and continue to stay super active this year. Uh, realistically, like, where do you see yourself at the end of this year? Because win over Gaslam puts you in the top 10. That means you could probably get a top five guy next. Like, you would easily be the top or second ranked contender at the end of the year. Yeah, for me, my goal is um, you know, to get four, four wins this year. And, uh, and to be in that, that title contention talk and be in the top five and uh, really just prove myself, you know, I feel like I need to continue to just prove myself, beat these guys, beat the up and comers, beat the old guys that have been here for a while and uh, just make myself undeniable where people know my name. So that's my goal. Oh, obviously the middleweight champion is Israel Adesanya. He's moving up in weight. Like, how do you kind of see that middleweight division? Because normally when the champion isn't fighting, it kind of keeps that top stagnant because they're all just waiting on him. Yeah, I mean, if I was the top five right now, ready to fight for the title, it would be very frustrating. But for me, I got a ways to go. Um, I'm going to be fighting on all the guys uh, right below that tier. And uh, and for me, so it's fine. But I want to see him keep winning because I want to seal my legacy with being the first guy to beat Israel. And I feel like I got a good game plan for that. And so, I mean, he's doing his thing. He's doing what he's got to do. He's making, uh, you know, big money, getting big fights. So, Hats off to him, but I hope when it's my time to be in the contender spot, he's there and ready to fight, and I believe it'll all line up in God's plan. Is there a bit of hope for you that Adesanya beats Blahovich? Because I talked to like Marvin Vittori, and he said the same thing, because he wants to be that guy to take his own. Like, he doesn't want anyone else to do that. So are you kind of rooting for him to become that champ, champ? So then if you get the chance to beat him, it only adds more to your win? Absolutely. You know, that's, that, that's going to seal legacy, you know? You want to be the guy to beat that that guy that everyone's looking at, that undefeated guy that people are even having in conversations of being the GOAT. And if you beat him, then you get in that conversation. So absolutely, I hope he keeps winning. If if you beat Gasman, it puts you in a good spot. Do we expect any calls from you? Because normally it's everyone calling you out lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be calling out who's ever available in that top area, you know, whether it's Candonier, Till, uh, Vittori. I mean, we'll see. I got to kind of sit down with my management and see who's available. You don't want to shoot your shot at someone who is not available or um, is already scheduled for a fight. So, I'll, I mean, just tune in UFC 258 and uh, you'll see. And being on this pay-per-view card, like, what do you think that's going to do for your career? Because there's obviously going to be a lot of eyes on this one. Yeah, I feel like I've been on like three or four pay-per-views in a row, big ones. And yeah, it's just it's just more eyes on me. It's a bigger it's a bigger platform, and I get to showcase my skills, and more eyes are going to be watching. So, I'm excited. It puts it puts uh you know that chip on my shoulder to go out there and really perform and really let people know who I am. And you mentioned it to DC last time. Is how frustrating has that been? Every time you get a finish, it's happening in front of no one. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it seems to be the way it is, but it's cool because I've learned a lot about having the no crowd, letting the the fans affect your emotions. You know, uh, you know, I, I thought a lot more methodical. Like when I dropped Bronson, I literally held my breath and just was like fit, like red in my eyes, like let's get the finish. And as of when I dropped Mearshart, I was like, okay, remember this guy's known for taking a beating and, and catching a sub. Let's be methodical and like everything kind of slowed down for me and I technically found the finish without putting myself in trouble or exerting too much of an adrenaline dump and so i feel like i've grown a lot and all these new guys coming in all these re people who just got signed wait till they walk out with twenty five thousand fans and screaming in and in a crowd it's going to be such a different world for them and i believe they're going to get shook like a debut fight and I feel like I'll be ready, mentally ready for the crowd, no crowd. And uh, I feel like I'm starting to slip in that veteran category where I have that mindset. And just last thing, obviously, Calvin Gaslam, he's kind of known for that right hand. Is that part of the game plan? Just avoid that right hand? You think he didn't have a lot of success? Avoid the right, avoid the left. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got bombs in his hand. He's a little one-dimensional. But, yeah, obviously, you know, we're – we don't want to get hit with power, you know. We we gotta we gotta move our head. We gotta not let him counter. He's the kind of a counter. Most southpaws are counter strikers. So, you know, we we got a great game plan. You're gonna see it all in a few weeks. All right, well, Ian, thank you so much for the time again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Cole. All right, we're joined by UFC lightweight Jim Miller, who's uh, making a short notice fight next weekend at UFC 258. Jim, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, obviously, fighting Bobby Green, like. This came out, we're recording on February 1st. You're fighting the 13th, so 12 days. When did you find out about this fight? Um, I found out that I had a slot, uh, I don't know, like uh, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't have an opponent. Um, I, I'd been asking to fight since about se September and uh, just hadn't, hadn't heard anything back. Um, you know, and then you kind of get a little bit, a uh, little bit nervous because you know that they're they're cutting a bunch of fighters. So um, I was like, well, you know, are they are they holding off to see what they're going to do? Um, but uh, yeah, like I I found out, yeah, just about two weeks ago or a week ago, something like that, that I had the that I had the slot, and then uh, just the other day, found out that uh, I had Bobby. So it's been about a month then by the time start to finish of training, but only about two a week and a bit for training specifically for Bobby Green. Um, about three weeks. Uh, yeah, it'll be about like three weeks for uh, like a fight date. You know, because um, initially too, uh, Sean Sean made a mistake and he, and he put the wrong date uh, when he said he, he had a slot for me. So, um, you know, like I said, I I I had been training. Um, you know, getting into it before that and, and trying to kind of ramp things up because uh, I had a feeling that uh, it would be another abbreviated camp just with the way that uh, the way that things were going. Um, you know, I I, I, I don't have uh, I don't work with a manager anymore, so it's me pestering Sean. So I, I know exactly what's happening and, and you know, and, and the and the conversation that's happening. So um, it's it's uh, it's like, OK, you know, there's no. There's no middleman for me to uh, kind of kind of blame on, uh, you know, not getting the information to me. So it's like, okay, I see how it's going, and uh, you know, I know that if a slot opens up, um, they've they've thrown it at me in the past. So I just wanted to be ready. 
And Bobby Green, this is a guy you're supposed to fight in 2014. So what's yep. it like to finally be able to get in there with him? Um, you know, he's he's a dude's been around for a long time, and and uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's one of those fights that I I wish I did, <laughs> I wish I did have a full camp because he does bring a unique uh skill set into into the octagon. He's um, there 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 aren't a lot of guys that fight the way that he fights, so um, you know, that's it's. It's one of those things like I, I I would like to prepare for it. I would like to see it a bit more, um, you know, have a few more weeks to to, to have some of my guys kind of uh, mimic his style. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, when it when I step into the octagon, it's about fighting my style and making him do that. So, um, you know, that's really what I, I what I'm always preparing to do is to go out and fight my fight and not necessarily fight, you know, um, I, I, I want to be able to deal with my opponent's strengths, but not necessarily fight to them. And I was looking at Bobby Green's record. He's only ever been submitted twice. Like, is that kind of something you're interested in being one of those rare fighters to submit him? Cause everyone knows how good your ground game is. And, and Bobby Green has a very underrated ground game. Uh, always, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that he's, you know, been submitted twice, but it's, uh, it's what I do. <laughs> I, you know, um, I've, I've set up a lot of my submissions with landing strikes, um, you know. So it's like I'm not, I'm not the I'm not the guy that's gonna you know necessarily go for the TKO because I have more confidence in my my ability to wrap somebody's neck up uh, once they are hurt. So um, yeah, if the opportunity arises, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throttle back on it. I'm just, I'm gonna keep attacking. How do you see this fight playing out? Because Bobby Green's a very durable guy. Like his last couple fights, he he was called that king of the apex. So he was fighting mm -hmm. every couple months, just getting decision wins. So how do you see it playing out? Um, you know, I a, a myriad of ways. You know, like uh, I see myself going out and and uh, using my my striking and and grappling to uh, to put him away earlier. I see a, a a you know knockdown, drag out, frustrating fight. Um, you know, I. I I'm not the type that lets people get into my head, um, you know, and, and he, he is a frustrating fighter, uh, to fight. At least that's what I've seen. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, it, it might be that way. It might be that kind of fight. It might get drug out to a decision. That's, that's never what I'm going for. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm ability to, um, however the fight goes, uh, I'm, I'm prepared for it. I've seen, Pretty much everything there is yeah. to offer inside the M, you know, in, in, inside MMA and inside the Octagon. And your last fight against Vince Michel obviously didn't go your way, but that was another one where you took on like a week or two notice. Mm -hmm. So how much do you take away from that fight and yeah. help you prepare for this one? Uh, you know, that every now and then you have something that like it's it's kind of that kick in the ass, right? Um and that that one was, you know, uh, a pretty short one. Uh, I think it was like ten days, um, and I had been in and out of the gym leading up to it. But um, I felt pretty good, you know, going into it. And um, you know, I, I've had much harder first rounds. Um, you know, uh, I, I won the first round in that fight, and I remember walking back to the to the corner like. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I mean, you know, like this is gonna this is gonna be pretty uh this is gonna be pretty tough to keep the lead, you know. Um it it was just something 
whatever it was, if the extra nerves uh, of a fight, you know, even though I, I, I don't get, you know, nervous and, and, and all that stuff, uh, as, as you might say, but like, you know, the, just the extra atmosphere of a fight, um, maybe that attitude, but it's like, I was doing, you know, multiple rounds. My dog's trying to come into the, into the shot here. Say, um, you know, it, I, yeah, I was doing 10, 11, five minute rounds, you know, in, in the, in the days leading up to it. And, and, uh, I barely made it through the first one. Um, so like I, I ended up, uh, you know, getting through the fight, taking, taking some damage, uh, again, but not more than I, and I ever have. Um, and, uh, and then I started vomiting and, <laughs> and, and, and w was vomiting for a solid half an hour, ended up puking up some blood and stuff like that. So it was like, it was one of those things. It was like, we need to, we need to strip things down and really start approaching this, uh, even better. Right. So, um, so, you know, I've been, I've been really working with my diet, um, you know, and, and, a, and a dietitian now and, and, you know, tracking my sleep and all this stuff. So, you know, just trying to like figure, you know, not necessarily figure out what happened that night, but, um, make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. Cause, um, you know, it's a, I, I felt like everything was in control and, uh, something wasn't. So, um, that's just the way that it goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I just, I just, I'm taking a step in the, in the direction to make sure that those things don't happen again. And, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to come out on the, on the better end of it. At this stage of your career, like what do you think a win over Bobby Green does for you? Like are you looking to try to climb up those rankings again? Or are you just looking for these fun, like fights against some other legends in the sport? Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be able to string another one together. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm on the right track. Um, you know, I've had a, I've had a good couple of months, um, since then. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if I can, if I can get some wins together, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always right there. Um, but you know, like at, at the same time, I, I'm excited to fight Bobby because he's a guy that's been around for a long time and, and we almost did fight. Um, and it, uh, yeah, like it, it gets me pumped, you know, uh, like that, that second chance to, to share the octagon with somebody. I mean, it's it's a it's a similar feeling to when I fought Clay. Uh, Clay and I almost almost had an opportunity to fight back in 2011, um, and we could have fought throughout that whole time, and we never did. And and uh, and then you know, and then we got that opportunity, and and it was uh, it was an awesome camp and an awesome experience. You know, fight night just. You know, fighting a fighting a guy that that I'm a fan of, and I'm a fan of Bobby's, and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just excited for the fight. Um, but yeah, you know, like my my goals are to to win, <laughs> you know, yeah. to to fight at my best, to perform at my best, to uh, to to show myself and the fans what I'm capable of. Um, you know, there's there's 15 minutes is never enough. It seems like um, you know, and 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 three times a year. Uh, is never enough. So um, I, I want to go out and I want to perform and I want to show off the skill set that I've developed over the last 15 years. Um, you know, there, there are definitely things in the toolbox that, that I haven't gotten to show. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and so I it, win, fight the best guys I can fight. And, and uh, you know, the, 
the point for me right now is uh is 40 fights in the UFC. That's that's kind of that's kind of where I I move that little push pin. That's where yeah. I want to get to. Um and we'll see what, you know, what the future has for me once I get there. Well, something you mentioned earlier that I want to touch on was you were talking about how with the UFC cutting 60 fighters and Sean not answering. Like was that a serious thought that maybe they were going to cut you or like, is this even a thought that if you lose this one, like maybe that might be it. I could, but I could never see the UFC cutting you though. Uh, who, who knows? You know, uh, it's just, that's the, that's the climate we're in right now as, as, as fighters, you just, you just honestly don't know. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I would, I would hope that they wouldn't just drag it out. You know, like if they were, if they were going to cut me during that time, just, just do it. Right. Like don't, don't like wait and, and shelf me for a bit to, uh, to then do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, fortunately I got this fight and, and that's, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, full, you know, <laughs> full steam ahead on it. Are you hoping that at least for the 40th UFC fight or your retirement fight that we go back to having sold out arenas? Cause I feel for people like Daniel Cormier and those guys that retired in front of no one. Cause they all deserve, especially you, you deserve like a full send off in front of everyone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I kind of need it, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, there's, you know, like I, I, cause I've thought about it and I've, I've been super close. I mean, in 2016, I was super close to retiring and, um, you know, I feel like I, once I, when I figured out I had Lyme and, and, and kind of got things back on track, um, it, uh, it gave me like a kind of a little bit of a rebirth, you know, in the sport and, and, uh, you know, in my career and, uh, but I've been able to think about it. And, and I think that as a, a father and a provider, um, the mature thing to do is to think about the next step. So, uh, so I've always been thinking about it and, um, you know, four fights is still, you know, you got the, this next one will be 37. So there's another, there's another three fights, uh, that we got to get. And like I said, it, we'll see where I'm at when that happens. If that gets stretched out longer than I'd like it, uh, then, uh, maybe we'll get, pretty close to UFC 300 and that would be a hell of a send off, yeah. uh, to be able to fight on, you know, 100, 200 and 300. Um, but yeah, I, I, I need the fans there to do it. I, like, I, I, it's one of those things. Like I don't, I don't fight because of the feeling you get when the fans are going bonkers, but, uh, man, is it, it's just, it's a rush. I mean, my the hair on my back and my neck is standing up right now, just thinking about it and, and, you know, wishing that, that it would, it would be back to that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I think it's tough for these guys that have had to call it quits, you know, without the fans there. It's, uh, it's a different atmosphere. It's not, it's, it's just not the same. And 37 UFC fights, you're taking over the record here with Cowboy. Like, do you just basically feel like you two for the next couple of years is going to keep alternating who has the record? Um, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's probably the way it's going to be. If they let me fight as often as I want to fight, I'd be at 40 already. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is a couple times where they've, they've kind of just held off on giving me a fight for a few months. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, that dude's going to be fighting until he's like 60. So, <laughs> you know, I got, uh, I, I, I don't think that I'm going to outlast him. <laughs> I was just doing some 
quick math here. I think UFC 300 would be about three and a half, four years. So it's definitely yeah. doable to to get it done. Yeah, it's uh, it, that's 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 the way that I'm looking at it too. Because they're they probably lining up to be that that uh, yeah. middle of the summer card, like they always they've done. So uh, it's a it's a little ways away, but <laughs> you know, like I said, we'll see how we'll see how things are going. Hopefully, I'm on the uh, on the right track with with some of the changes I've made, and and uh, yeah, if I can make it, I'll make it. Well, yeah, because they do like twelve or thirteen pay per views, and two seventy accounted was January of next year. So then twelve mm-hmm. thirteen after that, like it, you'll be about thirty nine forty, but it's definitely doable. Yeah. I don't think anyone else would ever be able to fight on like. 300 in a row on pay-per-views. It, it would be pretty awesome. That that would definitely be a feather in the cap. And just last thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you know this, but I was just looking at it. Uh, you need eight minutes and 17 seconds of cage time here, and you have five hours and 30 minutes in the octagon. Like, what's that mean for you? Like, <laughs> you have five hours and 30 minutes of that, fight in there. That, that means I haven't finished enough, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a long time, man. Um, it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a while to be in there. Uh, cause it's, it's definitely unforgiving. You know, every minute of it, uh, is pretty unforgiving. So, um, yeah, you know, it, that's, that's not one of those things that I think is a feather that goes in the cap. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frankie Edgar, he's almost closing on eight hours. He needs yeah. It's crazy. 19 more minutes for eight yeah. hours. Yeah. All right, well, well, Jim, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, we're joined by UFC middleweight Julian Marquez, who's got another fight booked here. Julian, how's it going? It's good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, obviously, before we get into your new fight, let's talk, just talk about that last one briefly. Uh, returning, like obviously everything you went through with the injuries, how frustrating or disappointing was it when you found out your opponent had that botched weight cut and you weren't going to be fighting after all that? Man, in, in all honesty, it didn't bug me. Um, this is the thing. Look, when my time happens, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen fast. And the thing is, is that I started, you know, finally getting released to fight and being able to get back into the gym full time this year, 2020, or last year, 2020. And honestly, the pandemic hit right after. There was not a lot of stuff to go. I was super fat, super huge. So the first fight camp that I had for, uh, Saparov was really getting my weight down. The second one was maintaining the weight and just getting more and more cardio and getting more of an athlete. And now it just, that's, that's two camps that I got into to really just bring myself back to where I need to be. And then now I've just been excelling. So in all honesty, it, it's a blessing because that allows me to grow even more as a MMA and mixed martial artist. And now returning on 258 against Maki Patola. Was this someone you had your eye on or was this kind of who the UFC offered you? Uh, you know, I actually have been looking for, a, you know, a lot of different people. There's, I have a list of stuff and I sat down and talked with James Krause, my coach. Um, we sat there and we were looking for different opponents. We were like, all right, how do we want to do this? Um, and then we brought up Maki and sent it over to iridium you know uh, jason house and sent it in and they're like yeah we love this matchup look it's coconut bombs versus the cuban missile crisis 258 pay-per-view we need some action we need some live people we got two heavy hitters on the card that's going to bring that pack a punch so let's put them on there 
Yeah, and like you mentioned, like obviously he's known for his knockout power. You have a ton of knockout power as well, but your ground game is a bit underrated. Do you think that's a big advantage for you in this fight is your grappling? Man, the thing is, is that I have an advantage in every situation. Look, I think Maki's great, but I'm just way too more, way, way more fast than him, way more powerful than him, way more fighter IQ than him. My striking is put together uh, a lot more polished. And my durability is better. If I want to take it to the ground, I'll take it to the ground. He's going to struggle in any situation that we're in. So you name it, and I can take him there, and it would be in my advantage. Is there a bit of pressure on you to have like a, a statement win and get a finish just to remind everyone like how good you are and remind everyone you're still in a threat in this division? No, nah, not at all. Because the thing is, is that like let them forget. This is the problem with you know the way that uh mma is to this date is that you know if you don't fight you're not remembered and people forget that connor is like this amazing fighter that no one uh gives a lot of credit to he's very underrated because he's not in front of the camera fighting all these top level people every other weekend um and the hype's not behind him anymore but you have to remember you know you're still a savage regardless if people remember you or not you know they just get reminded um in time uh, like you mentioned you obviously think uh, you're a bit better everywhere so do you think this is a fight where you could get a st another stoppage win because that's kind of what you're known for is getting people out get them out pretty early absolutely you know i can finish them on the ground i can finish standing them and that's what we're gonna do we're going for the finish i'm going for the kill i'm going to put all 28 months of just sheer pain and excitement and hurt and want and just loneliness any type of feeling that i've had over that long duration since my injury is coming out in that fight and it's the first time i could come back to show myself this is who i am this is where i'm is where i want to be and that's what i bring every time uh added bonus to have this on a pay-per-view card as well just to get a bit more viewers on the card uh, it's super dope. Like, and all honestly, it would be sick if they put me on the pay-per-view card. Like, starting off the pay-per-view card, why would you not want Maki Patello versus Julian Marquez? You want that excitement. Um, you know, there's a lot of great fighters on that card, but you know, a lot of these people don't bring the type of you know ferociousness and intensity that Maki and I would bring for the stylistic matchup. There's great matchups on there, but even if we're on the undercard, it'd be even great. Yeah, I think two spots that I think would be perfect for this fight is that opener of the main card or the fight right before the main card. Where, because to me, I think this fight's ending in a stoppage. So you either get fans all hyped for the pay per card with the stoppage win, or you get everyone all excited for the rest of the fights and the title fights coming with a big stoppage win to start the card. Yeah, I know for sure. Put me at the beginning. I'll sh I'll set the you know pace for the entire card. Put me in the middle. I'll show everybody why they need to uh, keep tuning in. And put me at the beginning to highlight what's going to happen to the main event. Is someone's going to sleep in that fight? I don't care what anyone says. This is Kamar Usman versus you know Gilbert Burns, the rivalry of two brothers that built each other. Like, let's go. Uh, everyone kind of talks about ring rust. Some people say it's not a real thing. Some people think it is. What's your take on this? Because obviously you haven't fought in a while. I mean, ring rust is a mentality. Um, the thing is, is that I've been fighting every single day all the way up since, you know, I was a little kid, even more so since my injury. So getting in there, what what is ring rust? Um, excitement, uh, just being flat, being scared. Uh, you know, I've been fighting for a, quite a while that, 
it's it doesn't matter. We train for this type of situation. What do you think a win over Maki does for you and puts you in this division? It just keeps me going forward. You know, Maki is is a great fighter. He's really well known. He's a likable guy. Like, look, I like the guy. I hope to go grab some drinks, non-alcoholic beverages after the fight, regardless. I know, and I love his coaches. I've trained with them all. This is the thing is that you're not going to just come in there and think that you're going to survive your career by matching up with me. I'm not here to, you know, save other people's career. I'm here to make statements. This is who I am. This is where I want to be. I said I was going to be a champion, so I'm coming here. I'm coming quick, and I'm going to make sure everyone knows that I'm here. And is the goal this year to get as many fights as possible? Just to obviously you haven't fought in a while, just to get that momentum going, get like three, four fights in this year. Absolutely. Look, this is the thing. Let's be smart. I'm here to get financially stable while making fights. I'm not going to take a ridiculous fight that's not going to pay the most money. Like if they offered me to fight Israel Adesanya on my contract right now, tomorrow, it wouldn't be financially interest in me. Why, why would I make, you know, a, a fraction of what the person I'm fighting is making? That's not that. I need to build my character. I need to build my person. I need to build my want. Thing is, the more people see you, the more people want you. The more people want you, the more people pay to see to watch you. When they pay to watch you, then you become a fan favorite. And then that's when your money becomes up. That's whenever these, you know, fights like Conor McGregor, Habib, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, or people start calling you out left and right because they know you're the money fight. That's the that's where we're gonna get at. And that's what I want to do. So this year, yeah, I would love to say I want to fight 20 times. But to be honest, I've had a 10-month training camp that I've done nonstop with only one fight to show. Not saying I want to take a break, but I definitely want to yeah. see what they're going to offer me or what we can get next. Someone I want to touch on is obviously James Krause. How important has he been to your career? Because he's to me, is one of the best coaches in MA, and he doesn't get talked enough as the top one of the top coaches. This is the thing, you know, a wise woman told me this a long time ago. And she said, numbers don't lie, but people or liars say a lot of numbers. And the thing is, you got all these top level coaches that have all these. We have UFC fighters. We have UFC fighters. Yes. But the odds of them staying in the UFC and doing something great or, you know, are, are low. But if you look at James Krause. James Krause has taken so many UFC fighters and elevated their you know, platform once they join his team, once they go to his gym in Lee Summit, Missouri. Look at uh, Gina Mazzani. Gina Mazzani wasn't doing too well in the UFC. She left, she comes or she leaves, you know, Vegas, comes to Kansas City and just has a dominating performance against Rachel Ostevich. Same thing as Tim Elliott. Let's look at him. Tim Elliott was having a rough edge in his career he was living in vegas doing all this stuff he made the move over here and he took a a tough fight and had a tough win against ryan benoit you know right after he was on a skid of if he lost that fight he probably would have been cut same thing as you look at kevin croom took a 24-hour notice fight came in and took a a tough opponent uh, roosevelt roberts and finished him in front of dana in under a minute you know like come on same thing as look at uh, look at your your guy Jason Witt. Jason Witt took a twenty four hour notice fight. Same thing didn't go well for him. He comes back and has a performance that no one would ever expect. A dominating performance, a bloodbath from top to uh, from top to bottom. You got Jeff Molina who just had this impressive uh, domination on the contender series, getting signed. You have uh, Grant Dawson who is 
literally the toughest 155 pounder on the planet and no one knows that name and it's all because james has literally put time and invested hours into everyone look at derek minner derek minner has fought to try to get in the ufc for x amount of time finally gets in the ufc and finishes a kid that no one thought he was he was like a plus 400 underdog which was amazing to bet on and it's because james kraus is a mastermind when it comes to understanding the flaws in other people to be able to become dominant yourself. He is amazing. And his numbers don't lie. Look at his numbers. Look at his stats. Look at his fighters that are under him. And look at the victories that they have. It is a really high percentage. And the thing with James' gym, too, it's, I like it same with like Fortis MMA is – you can look at the ATTs and the AKAs and all that and everyone be like, oh, they have like 40 UFC fighters. But year over year, they always have that. Like your gym and Fortis's, it's like they went from zero and now they're into double-digit UFC fighters. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing is that, you know, in time, Glory could blow up to become the ATT. But I don't think Krauss wants that. There's not enough coaches and there's not enough James Krauss's that he can sit there and invest his time into it. Thing is, is that, Look, I fight professionally in the UFC. Tim, Gina, Kevin, Jason, Derek, um, you know, Grant. And you look at them, they're getting the same training. Megan Anderson, sorry about her too. You're getting the tra same training at that level as an amateur that has three fights, four fights amateur. And you're getting the same training and the same treatment as, you know, the highest level in the UFC. It's because – he cares. He actually wants you to win. And that's one thing is like, I really wish the UFC would, you know, kind of start pushing towards him or the people that give awards, like don't give him honorable mention, give him the actual award of like, yo, this dude is making something happen in the middle of nowhere where no one around has as many UFC fighters. No one around is even known. Like we're in freaking Missouri. Think of that. Tell, then, tell me Tell me a place in the United States that's supposed to have an MMA gym that's supposed to be successful. California? Florida? Warm weather where everyone wants to be. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're naming all these highly populated places and they all have, you know, 10 plus UFC fighters. Well, you go in the middle of Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, and there's 10 fighters in the UFC in just one gym that you don't even know about? Come on. Like, there's something in the water out here, or it's just James Krause. Uh, one person I wanted to ask you, on no worries, you don't want to ask him. Obviously, Joaquin Buckley, he's a guy that a lot of you guys at the gym, there's just kind of that rivalry. Do you think that's a fight that is going to happen, or after that loss, do you think that's kind of, you guys are going to move past that? I have no friggin' clue. Look, in all honesty, I put out a tweet, and I was like, oh, dude, I like his style. I like that. That means... That's called an exciting fight. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, dude, I would love to take this fight. I put out a tweet, and then boom, all this stuff happens. I'm like, oh, here we go. James goes, you don't understand. He's like, you're not taking that fight. I was like, why? He goes, that's my fight. And then I found out that that's, that's real. What they have, they have a history. You got to understand, I've been out. I've been out of glory. Like I moved away. I've been with James Krause when I started my career. I left five to six years ago, moved to syndicate, trained out there, did everything there, jumped around syndicate, 10th planet, extreme couture, 
you know, worked out there. And then I finally came back. So during that time, there's a lot of stuff that they have beef over that I didn't even know about. Mine was just like, oh, dude, that's a fun fight. Then I found out this is like uh, a hatred like Diaz and Connor that Leon Edwards and uh, Jorge Masvidal or, you know, Kobe Cundin and Jorge Masvidal. And the thing is, is that right, I can't step across that. Like, you, you know, Nate Diaz isn't going to set one of his students to go fight his battle. If Joaquin called him out, Joaquin said this stuff, he wants to do this stuff, that's between them two. Once they settle their stuff, then maybe I can have my opportunity to fight that style. But that's not – you have to go through James first. James never once turned that thing down, and it's just – right now I don't know if it's going to ever happen from uh, – you know, that, that that was a nasty head kick, and that was a, a pretty nasty sleep from Alessio, which is insane. Um, that kid doesn't really knock anyone out and doesn't really go after people like that. So it is, it's intense, but, yeah, there's no – I have no beef with him. If he wants to create beef, cool, but he still has to go through James Krause first. And just last thing I, I have to ask you about is your podcast with Kendra Luss. How did that all – get started together just you and, and her getting hooking up together within this podcast man you could just say i'm a lucky guy and i just have the right connections and was at the right place in the right time um you know we just finished uh recording an episode yeah. she's awesome and it's just it's just a different perspective you know she's an adult film star i'm a ufc fighter we both technically are the same exact contract out you know she works for a company and she only gets paid when she performs. I work for a company. I only get paid from from when I perform. If I do good at my job, I do good in life. If she does good at the job, she does good in life. So it's uh we have a lot of similarities in there and it's it's been awesome. And like we just dive deep into just topics and sex relationships and DM slides. It's it's a fun, fun podcast. And do you kind of think you got, it's kind of that perfect match. I'm surprised no one's done it before. It's, it's kind of that same fan base that's watching her and then watching fights. Oh, absolutely. Like our fans definitely bounce back and forth. You know, they love that Kendra talks about fights. They love that, you know, she she has someone on there that gives their input. They're like, oh, this guy knows what it is. But then they start realizing, like, oh, she knows what the hell she's talking about too. But then also too, there's a lot of, you know, these like people that like fighting that need a little bit of relationship advice or need a little bit of, you know, sexual advice or um, guidance. And that's where she jumps in. She's like, Hey, you know, we just got done talking about the GM met that, that uh, what's his name? Jared Potter. That oh yeah. 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 Sending out these like unsolicited DMS and instant messages with his like dick pics and stuff like that. So we kind of like brushed up on that and talked about like, chill out guys you never send 62 unanswered messages in a row you know like it's pretty yikes well just before you wrap up just a plug where everyone can listen to that podcast uh we're on youtube spotify apple um we have gonna have our instagram it's beauty and the beast podcast uh you can also if you get on uh my instagram j marquez mma or kendra lust uh, you go there and just click the links. They'll send you right to where you want to go. You can listen to the podcast. You can tune in, get some advice, get some sweet one-liners, a slide in those DMs, holler at those women, or uh, just have a nice little trick to do a nice little nightcap. So, All right. Well, Julian, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. You have a good one. All right. All right. We're joined by UFC flyweight Jillian Robertson, who's returning again pretty soon. Jillian, how's it going? 
I'm super excited to have a matchup so close to my last one, be able to get back in there, back in the win column. Yeah, that's what I want to touch on. Obviously, last one didn't go your way. After that loss, does it basically get me back in there as soon as I can to get the bad taste out of your mouth? Uh, I Win or lose, that's the game plan. I'm trying to get back in there as soon as possible. So uh, to be able to have such a quick turnaround, I'm just uh, I'm happy with that. I'm blessed with that. And Miranda Maverick, was this someone you thought you'd be fighting? I thought they'd try to keep you two apart just because you guys are two of the up-and-coming prospects in this division. Um, I actually, for some reason, I had the, whenever uh, Andrea Lee dropped out on that one-week notice, I was uh, thinking Miranda Maverick. I was looking at all the names, like, thinking about, they were like, oh, we have someone in mind for you. So I was looking at all the names, seeing who they might th uh, have thought, and she was one of the people who was an uppercomer, was ready to fight, and uh, she's a gamer, so I knew that she'd be down. So I kind of expected it back then, so to have it now is, uh, I, I guess, kind of a coincidence. <laughs> And she's someone that won the Invicta, that one-night tournament. Impressive UFC debut. What did you make of her last fight in the UFC? Uh, I definitely feel like it was an impressive debut. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like her opponent's on the same level as I am. So uh, this will be a new welcoming for her into the 25 division. Is it kind of hard to watch tape on her, or just to start? Because that one-night tournament, that was all one-round fights. Her last fight was one round. I don't even think that cut really should have stopped the fight. So you haven't really seen her. She does have that one win. She versus made Deanna Bennett in the third round. But a lot of her fights are ending early or the one round because of that Invicta one-night tournament. I, I honestly, I don't study my opponents a lot in general. That's uh, all down to my head coach, Dean Thomas. He'll go through the fights and uh, break them down and determine what we need to work on, what we need to be looking for. But uh, I don't like to get myself too uh, into watching the fights. I feel like then when you come into the fight, you end up waiting for moments. So you're sitting there and I'm waiting for her to do this or I'm waiting for her to do that instead of just going in there and implementing my game plan to the fullest and uh, just imposing my will on her. And your last fight, what do you take away from that? Because obviously you're supposed to fight Andrea Lee at 256 she pulls out and then you get pushed back we fight a totally really different style in Talia Santos like how like what do you take away from that fight uh I guess it, it is what it is I went out there I fought uh, to the best of my ability and I just wasn't enough that night so we're going back we're correcting everything and uh we're just trying to make me into the best mixed martial artist I can and uh the best way to test of where I'm at and that is to keep competing keep fighting so uh that just shows where I'm at right now and where I need to uh where I need to look forward to and where I need to be and then you had the grappling match like 11 days after that fight did Dean Thomas or anyone say like hey maybe let's take a bit of a rest you don't need to do, be doing that uh, Dean's definitely not the one to say we're taking a rest at all. He was a, like, I still had stitches in my, I had nine stitches in my nose after I fought Talia and I had to keep them in uh, for 10 days. The grappling match was 11 days after the fight. So uh, I took those stitches out 10 days after. And then um, the doctor was actually like, oh, um, I want you to wait 21 days before you start any live training. And I was like, it's just what it's one round, you know, one grappling match, five minutes. It shouldn't be too bad. Uh, so I started, I, I just decided to do it when uh, flew out to Portland. And I think it was like the first 30 seconds of the match, my nose opened back up. I was like, maybe the doctor was right. Like, maybe I should have listened to him. So, uh, yeah, I definitely made my scar a little bit bigger, but it's it's the fight life like you gotta know what you're getting into with this and then with this fight obviously miranda maverick a really good grappler just like yourself but she has really solid striking do you think she's gonna want to keep it standing and not want to go down to the ground with you I, I i've had a couple of people ask me that i feel like it plays out either one of uh, two ways it's either like 100 percent where it's like two of the best uh, two great grapplers are going to just keep it on the feet 
or that she's we're gonna be on the ground the whole time. So I feel like it, it'll be um, either one of two extremes the way the fight goes. I, I, you often see a lot of times with grapplers, they just fall in love with your hands. That's something you and T. Thompson really realize like we just can't fall in love with our hands. Let's just get it down to where we're good at. Cause you see every grappler, like Ronda Rousey, after she got that knockout, she then started falling in love with her stand-up. Like, is that something you realize? Like, I just, I just need to take it down where I'm best at, and no matter what, I just got to get down to the ground. Well, uh, we just recognize where I am best at. Obviously, it is in the jujitsu, so I still am focused on my stand-up and making my stand-up better. But it's to uh, capitalize on my jujitsu. So it's like we're using my strikes to set up my shots better and to get into my takedown. So we still are focusing on my striking, getting better every day. But obviously, that's not our main finishing tool. We know where I'm good, and we know where I'm going to get my uh, the fights to finish. And Shorty Torres is a really good wrestler and himself. How important has he been just helping you with your wrestling and getting people to the ground? Oh, uh, it, he's amazing. Like we, me, him, and Dean Thomas work every single day. We got a little like family going on there. But um, he's my main drilling partner. We train uh, twice a day, every day, and it's just it's awesome to have somebody who's as motivated as you. Which uh, I feel like it's hard to find. How do you see this fight playing out? Because like you mentioned, it could be just all on the feet, could be all on the ground. Obviously, you, every fight you kind of predict that submission win. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this. Um, I, I'm not one of the, like you said, I'm not one of the grapplers who's got to prove my stand-up, who's got to prove that I'm a striker. I'm going to use that to get to my finish, and I'm trying to get in and out of there as quick as possible, so straight to the throat. <laughs> and Dean Thomas was obviously out in Abu Dhabi for like two or seven film that show. So was it just basically you and Shorty Torres working together for a week? Uh, we were kind of nomads. Uh, we trained at like, I think three or four different gyms during that time. So we trained out in Fusion in Orlando, uh, at a busy body in Boca Raton, uh, ATT Wolfpack in uh, Sunrise, uh, Gamblers Jiu-Jitsu West Palm. Like there's like four or five different gyms where we were just going and uh, again, our work where we can get in different bodies and get in different looks. So uh, we'd be ready for anything. Is that something you like doing, just going to different gyms and not being – because when you were at ATT, it was ATT only. You only could train at ATT. Like, you couldn't really do any of this cross-training. Well, obviously, uh, ATT, they have all the bodies there. So it's like you don't need to really go anywhere else to get a different look because I have 10 to 15 different girls or guys on the mat with me every single day. But uh, when it comes to coaching, I feel like that's when it becomes a, a big thing where uh, Dean's not scared to say, I don't know this where like we traveled up to Wonder Boy's gym because he's like, nobody's better at movement than Wonder Boy. So we're going to go figure out how to do it. He's the best in the world to do it. So we're going to look at how he does it because obviously like Dean knows that he knows better than he does. So I feel like I love that open mindset and it really, uh, it make, it's going to make me the best in the world one day. Yeah, because I saw the UFC film that stuff. So what was it like going out to uh, Wonder Boy's gym? Oh, it was an awesome time out there. Uh, like I said, the movement, just so fast. Every single person in the gym has that karate style, that karate base. And it's just, uh, it, it's impossible to describe how fast their kicks are, how fast they move in and out and uh, are just getting into good positions to strike. And so the UFC film that, I think Dean Thomas probably had what, like 10 hot dogs on that road trip? <laughs> Yeah, an uncomfortable amount of hot dogs. Just every single gas station, I wasn't having it. I think I was cutting weight at the time, too. I was, I was supposed to fight Andrea the next week. So uh, I was cutting weight in just every single gas station. That's what he was going for. But uh, he took me by Shaq's house after, so that was pretty dope. Got to choke him out. And uh, that that's, was like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And just to be surrounded by someone who is so great and so inspirational was uh, amazing at the time. 
Yeah, because I saw Shaq give you obviously some advice. So what was that like for you? Obviously, he's one of the uh, greatest hustlers in the world, you know, not even just like with sports, but just when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And uh, he's just always on something else, always on the next deal. And I feel like that's what it's all about. Just keep on moving forward, keep on grinding. And those are the type of people you need to surround yourself with. What is a road trip with Dean Thomas like? I feel like it could get annoying at some points. A road trip with Dean Thomas is definitely uh, long. <laughs> I would say I, I'm I'm more of a flyer. I don't want to be in the car that long, so it's just lots of naps for me. Did you ever talk about hey, Maybe you just drive. I'll just fly out to Wonder Voice. I'll meet you there. I, I tried to, but we, he had the UFC coming with him, and he was like, "No, they want to get us together. They want to get like the coach student aspect." So uh, I was long for the ride. And just last thing, you're someone that wants to be active, so everything goes your way here. Like, how quickly do you want to turn this thing around? I'll be walking out the cage with the phone in my hand, waiting for Dana to call. So uh, as soon as they give me that call, I'm ready to go. Or right, just one more thing is, uh, obviously, hoping for a ranked opponent with a win here. I think Mar uh, Miranda Mavericks on the UFC has a lot of hype behind. If you be here, I think a ranked opponent has to be next. Uh, I, I'm down for whatever the UFC has to offer me. I, I said it with my last fight with Talia. I'm like, if I don't, if I can't beat her, then I don't deserve to have the belt. So I'm trying to beat every single girl in this division and prove that I deserve that. And that uh, when my time comes, that I'm going to be a dominant champ. All right, well, Jillian, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. To talk I might actually pull over right here. I have hella good service. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, we're joined by UFC welcome Anthony Hernandez. Anthony, how's it going? Good, but I'm a middleweight. Or middleweight, so sorry, sorry. There you guys, read that, sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're joined by UFC middleweight Anthony Hernandez. Anthony, how's it going? I'm good, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Um, Big fight against Rodolfo Vieira, undefeated guy, like one of the best grapplers. Was this Sony you your eye on, or was this kind of who the UFC offered you? Uh, just who they offered me, like I said, um, I really don't give a fuck who I fight. Um, I'll figure a way to beat them. And if not, we're going to go to fucking war. But I feel like I'll beat anyone, and that's my mentality every time I go into the fight. Um, but I do like this fight. This fight's a fucking great fight for me. You were obviously supposed to fight, uh, on that January 16th card. You had to, it got delayed because of the COVID reasons. Is this kind of time frame you want, or were you hoping a bit sooner than this? Honestly, I picked this day because I wasn't trying to celebrate Valentine's Day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I picked this. Uh, you got out of it then. <laughs> I mean, my wife says I didn't, but I think I did. <laughs> and um, on a pay-per-view too, like a pretty good card. You have like Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, headlining. Yeah, like, did that add to it being on a pay-per-view card? Um, No, yeah, that was like, uh, I didn't even know it was going to be a pay-per-view card. Uh, it just kind of worked out in uh, my favor. I believe everything happens for a reason. And um, if it, uh, you know, like this is the, what, one of the first fights I don't have to travel hella far. So I'm really excited for that. It's going to be normal time. Um, I'm not going to have jet lag. So I'm actually really stoked for this fight. And obviously not having to go into Fight Island because you're supposed to go out there January 16th. How much better is that? Just not doing that quarantine, that travel and all that kind of stuff. I was looking forward to it, to be honest. I was like, fuck, it's damn near a month in Dubai. That's sick. <laughs> Why not? But uh, I was talking hell shit to my family, giving them hella shit, like fucking with them. And they, I guess it kind of worked out in their favor. I'm not going to be gone for hell long. And uh, I'm like, I'm honestly, I'm excited.
And Rodolfo Vieira, his last fight, obviously he's 2-0 in the UFC, two submission wins, but his last fight, he did get hit a lot. And he had like a, his eye was almost shut. And the whole talk on the fight was if he didn't submit in the first round, it probably would have been stopped. Like, what do you take away from his last fight? Because obviously he showed off his grappling, but at the same time, like he was there to be hit quite often. Uh, no, yeah, that's, um, yeah, he's not a striker. He's definitely a ground guy. Um, and I plan on proving, uh, proven that you know um i don't plan on getting taken down and if i do i'm gonna work back to my feet um i honestly didn't see that fight uh but uh yeah i know he's definitely hittable he's very hittable he's flat-footed um he, one of his more recent fights he looked like he was moving on his toes better so that's good for him um but yeah his, his one goal is to get you to the floor and as long as you defend that you're pretty much safe you fought some high-level grapplers too, like you fought Marks Perez, you fought Brendan Allen. Like, how much do you think that experience is going to help you in this fight? Um, I mean, a fight's a fight, man. I I, I really don't know uh, how to even answer that question. Um, but I'm looking forward to this fight. Um, I have great training partners for this fight that are high-level and bigger guys, and I've been getting them off me. So, I. I think I'll be able to throw a 185 off me. <laughs> uh, how do you see this fight playing out? Because uh, to a lot of people, it's basically this fight stays standing. Yeah, it's just you should be able to piece him up. If it's out of the ground, like obviously that's his whole world. But is it basically just keep the fight standing and your fight to lose? Um, Like I said, uh, I'm an MMA fighter. I know how to do this. I know how to do everything. Um, obviously, there's certain there's different levels of grappling, yes. But when you get hit, that shit changes. And uh, as far as MMA, um, he's coming into my world. You know, I've been doing this shit for a very long time. I've been fighting MMA since I was like 15, doing smokers. And like, I have a fuck ton of MMA fights. Um, when I fight, I feel like a veteran. I don't get nervous no more. Like, it's just another fucking day in the office for me. Um, for him, I'd imagine it's kind of sketchy because he only has one one thing that he is very good at, and that's grappling. And uh no matter where the fight goes, I'm pretty fucking comfortable, to be honest. And the thing with him and most grapplers are, most like jujitsu guys where he's coming over from jujitsu, their takedowns aren't that good because they start their whole growing up is they're already on the ground. So do you think that's a big advantage where he has to try to get you down? His wrestling so far hasn't looked best. Like it takes him a couple of times to get people down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, Guy is different than... Uh, like MMA, you're slippery. You're like it changes the whole fucking game. And uh, even in some of his fights, the guys get up pretty easy, but his pressure wears them out, and then they they kind of concede and start playing jujitsu. Um, I'm in great fucking shape for this fight. My if I hit the floor, I'm getting up there. I'm not I'm not chilling. I'm not playing jujitsu. I'm not fucking trying to hang out there because he will submit you. And he's a decorated grappler, and you got to respect it no matter what. Has there already been talk? Because I remember when I was talking to Max Griffin was he, when he was fighting uh, Ramiz, obviously he was such a good grappler, was if you rock him and drop him, like is part of the game plan of just let him get back to the feet, don't fall him down to the ground? Um, I'm honestly pretty comfortable everywhere. Like I said, uh, it, it depends, you know. Um, will, I, will I let him up? It depends how hurt he is. If he's fucked up, fucked up, I'm going to go for kill. If he's still like – if he's still – like uh what is it? i don't know the word for it if he's still like reaching for shit and like 
aware, then maybe I'll stay up. I don't know. We'll see. It's a, it's a fight. You, you don't really know. I'm going to listen to my coaches and whatever they believe I should do, I should, I'll do. Who are the main people you're working with for this fight? Um, one of, uh, so Elliot Kelly's been helping me out a lot. Um, Jim West and then Mike Guy and then uh, Kelly and Nunson, he's been a fucking great asset as one of my sparring partners. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much. And then I got like some younger kids. Shaler, he's a little young up and comer. It's Aspen's little brother, little big brother. That motherfucker's like yeah. 30. But uh, he's been a great, he's been a pain in the ass because that motherfucker's heavy as shit and he just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. <laughs> So it's been great to work with him too. And he's actually going to make his amateur debut soon. So hopefully I can make that in Utah. And something that Vier hasn't done is he hasn't done the no crowd ever. And you've done it on the contender series. Do you think that's a bit of an advantage if you know what it's like fighting in front of no one? Uh, I don't know. Um, a fight's a fight. Like I said, a, a fucking street fight, a cage fight, it doesn't fucking matter. A, a fight's a fight to me. I don't really, like, I'm not doing it. For the fans, it's this is for me. Like this shit is my pride. This is like, this is what I do. I fight for a living. And if there's crowds, dope. If there's not, I don't give a fuck. Like most people are dickheads anyway, so fuck them. <laughs> do you pay attention to like betting odds or anything like that? I don't even know how that shit works, and I really don't give a fuck to be honest. Because that those odds are not gonna save you in a real fucking fist fight. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is because obviously you're a big underdog in this one just because of his grappling. But because, like, right now you're like uh, plus 325. So if one of your friends or family put 100 bucks, you win. They win uh, 325 plus their 100 back. So, like, they, they win a good size of money if you can get friends and family to bet on you. Dope. That's fucking cool for them. <laughs> Entering this fight, obviously, coming off the loss to Kevin Holland. Like, what do you take away from that just because it happened so quick, that fight? Look, man, a fight's a fight. Like I always say, um, shit happens. I can't fucking dwell on it. Um, I had to, there was like, I don't know. I was, I was just going through some shit and um, I'm finally clear headed. I'm finally like just focusing on what I want in life. And I've been fucking training for this moment since I was like 15 years fucking old. And there's no way in hell I'm just going to let that shit slip through my fingers. I go out there, fight my fucking ass off, and if he wants that win, he's going to have to take it from me. Do you have a bit of pressure on yourself under this one, just coming off loss you've never lost two in a row in your career? Nah, I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Like I said, each fight is a new fight. Uh, shit happens, you know. In life, sometimes you get knocked down, and you can either quit or keep fucking going. And I ain't no little bitch. I'm going to keep coming, and I'm going to get my goals. What do you think a win over Rodolfo does for you? Because he's a guy that has a lot of hype behind him, an undefeated guy. Like, a win here I think would be big for you. It puts me back in the spotlight, and it puts me right back where I want to be, you know. Um, I do need this win, and I plan on getting it. Um, yeah, it's simple as that. Was uh, last year a bit disappointing for you? Just that one fight, obviously. I know you like being active, and then just having to sit on that loss for almost like what, like nine months now. I don't even know. I wasn't counting. I've just been training this whole fucking time. I took, I lost, got in the gym, and just kept training. So like, I don't know. Like I said, I live this shit. This shit is my life. Um, 
I don't, I'm not going to sit around and just be like, oh, fuck, I lost. I'm, I'm a little bitch. No, it's all right. Shit happens. Get back in the fucking gym. Keep training. Um, I was overworking myself way too fucking much for the Kevin Holland fight. I had a bunch of shit going on, personal shit, family shit. And, um, yeah, just like I, I was fucking, I felt like I had cement shoes on in the fight. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Kevin. He hit me with a good elbow, got me square, landed a clean knee. That's high level shit. Um, great setup by him. He caught me. It is what it is. Um, it's a fight, you know? I mean, if you're not on point at the highest level, it's going to be shown. And that night I was not on point. He beat me. Okay, cool. Uh, he's going on a fight. He's been on like a five or six win streak. That's fucking fantastic for him. I hope to see him fight for a title. Uh, no bad blood. It is. It's a job. We both showed up and he was the better man that night. You've touched on it a bit. I just want to kind of ask you about it a bit more. Is you talked about the mental side of how big is it now? Where you're obviously, it seems like your mental side. You're now just focused. You had a lot of stuff going on, like because obviously the mental side is a big part of fighting as well. No, for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I just I had a lot of shit, personal shit going on, and uh, um, yeah, it was just like uh, I don't even. I'm not gonna mention it, but um. I had a lot of shit going on and I was doing way too much. I was going to the gym, coming home, working on my property. And then I would go to the gym and then come back and work on my property. I was just doing way too much, trying to bite off way more than I could chew when I should have just settled back and focused on my career. And, um, after that, after that fight, I just, I had, I had like, I sat down, talked to my wife and then I just had to figure out what the fuck I really wanted in life, you know? And, I've been training for this shit since I was 15. I, it's all in. And she kind of got off my back a little bit about shit. And uh, we decided that everything will happen in the right way, like at the right time. So she's, now she's off my ass and it's back to full training. And I'm, I had to refocus real quick. And uh, I think you guys are going to see a new me, basically. Back to being hungry, uh, vicious, coming for the kill. And yeah. Uh, just last thing, everything goes your way there on 258. Like, how quickly do you want to turn around? Because I imagine you want to get more than just one fight in this year. I want to. Uh, my goal is stay healthy, of course, because I keep fucking fucking shit up. Like uh, the Kevin Holland fight, I my dumbass didn't finish re recovering my hand, and I knew that I couldn't throw my right hand really. So my game plan was to wrestle, and he caught me with a knee. So I was like, all right, it's time to go back to fucking rehab, finish my healing, <laughs> and uh, just make sure that I'm 100% confident in all my tools and all my tools work. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much where we're at now. All right, well, Anthony, thanks so much for time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you again for having me. And before I go, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Osaka and Woodland. If you guys are around Main Street, I recommend you guys check them out. And then if you guys like skateboarding and shit like that, uh, Sword Board Shot, they've been helping me out a lot for this fight camp and I really appreciate it. Humble Root, thank you guys for everything you've done for this fight camp and I look forward to working with you guys more. Um, Max Payne Griffin, uh, his CBD gummies, fucking amazing. They help me get to sleep, especially because I can't smoke now. Um, and you get recovery deep sleep there's a bunch of fucking 
good effects from it. Uh, I don't know the whole science, but if you really want to know about it, you should go check out Max Payne CBD. Um, Ultimate Fitness Foods, the only reason I'm going to make weight so easy is because of them. So thank you to them. And then my homies Migos, all the fucking jackasses that let me tattoo them and shit. They're my boys. They sponsor me for this fight too. Um, my Her Hernandez cousins, thank you guys. Tharp family, my little goddaughter and them, they all put money in to help me for my fight. So thank you guys. I appreciate you. Get me goings. Um, it's in the name. They just they keep me going. Uh, they're the best like massage place. Uh, out there um that shit hurts but after you feel fucking fantastic and that's about it thank you guys